When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ampleforth College. The very name suggests wealth, learning and distinction. For two centuries, the sons, and more recently the daughters, of wealthy Catholics have come to live and study here in the lush countryside of North Yorkshire, earning Ampleforth the sobriquet of the Catholic Eton. But has that tradition just come to a sudden and disgraceful end? There is an Ofsted report, which has still not been published, which finds serious failings in meeting safeguarding and leadership standards. Last month, it was announced that the school is fighting a government notice to the effect that, because of safety concerns, it may no longer accept any new pupils. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm David Aronovich. Today, the school and the scandal will Ampleforth close. I came when I I was 13 from a state school background I, I thought it was beautiful and I felt I felt very very overwhelmed by the place it's quite the, the buildings are, are quite formidable looking um, they, it's, it's, it's a- that's the voice of a former student from Ampleforth College between 2007 and 2010 she was sexually assaulted at the school by her music teacher so a warning before we continue some listeners may find the content of today's episode upsetting. His exact words were to me at the time, I can be a proxy father figure to you. I can be a proxy dad. It's not my job, but it's what I do because you're so special, because you're a special student. Because I was from a very different background. My parents were, were not wealthy. I was a scholarship student too. Mm-hmm. This is the first time this woman has spoken to a journalist. She's agreed for us to use her voice, but to help protect her identity, we refer to her as A30 a pseudonym used as an official inquiry. He presented to me as, you know, you're um, a special student and Mm. I'll help you. And I I was groomed by someone for three years who presented himself in this very, very caring way and then started abusing me um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the most horrific manner possible. A30 is speaking to my colleague Sean Griffiths, the education editor at the Sunday Times. I've done several stories with Richard Scorer, who is a lawyer, who's head of child abuse at Slater Gordon. I know that he was working on cases at Ampleforth. And when I talked to him, he said that he thought that A30 wanted to tell her story because it's a very recent example of 
abuse, how it can happen that an articulate, clever, middle-class child can become a, a victim of abuse in a boarding school. We'll hear more from A30 later in today's episode. We're talking about Ampleforth College. What was your initial reaction when you heard that the Department for Education had said that it had to stop accepting pupils? Well, I wasn't surprised. Ampleforth is a college that has had allegations of abuse for a very long time, on and off through the years. At the moment, the boarding school is challenging a poor Ofsted report, which is as yet unpublished. But the government says the college was too slow in making improvements recommended by repeated inspections dating back to March of 2018. Meanwhile, last year, another report raised concerns that referrals to police or social services concerning bullying and physical abuse were not being made in a timely manner. The school is also challenging the Department of Education's decision not to allow it to accept new pupils. It's not clear at the moment whether the school will be closed, but this first step that has been taken has led to the closure of other schools. It looks ominous, doesn't it? I would say very ominous indeed. Let's go back now and look at Ampleforth College. Firstly, it's an important school, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's known as the Catholic Eton. For wealthy Catholic families, it, it is the school. It started life as a boys-only school um, in 1802, uh, founded by Benedictine monks, In 1900, it became a Roman Catholic boarding school. I guess a lot of people think of the fictional Hogwarts, and it has that sort of Gothic look to it. It's in a very beautiful part of the countryside. It's got good facilities. It's got good teaching, a good track record of sending kids to Oxbridge. I mean, it charges about £36,000 a year for boarding. And monks for a long time taught at the school. That's been phased out over the years, certainly since some of the abuse allegations surfaced in the early 2000s. In 2002, the all-male Ampleforth became co-educational and started to admit girls. But despite the winds of change, the faith of the institution remains central. It's been very important, and even now on the website for the school, there is mention of, of the Benedictine connection and the whole sort of spiritual aspect to the school. So it was connected to the abbey at Ampleforth, and the monks taught there, and that is a history and a tradition that goes back 200 years. The, the Catholic element, I think, for the school is still central to its operation. But it wasn't for this tradition that back in the mid-noughties, Ampleforth found itself in the headlines. In 2005, a teaching monk, Father Piers Grant Ferris, was arrested. A year later, in 2006, he was sentenced to two years in jail after he admitted 20 offences of child abuse between 1966 and 1975 at Gilling Castle, the then prep school for Ampleforth College. Following Grant Ferris's conviction... How had the authorities at Ampleforth reacted? Father Cuthbert Madden, who was the abbot of Ampleforth, offered a quote, you know, heartfelt apology to the victims of Grant Ferris, this priest who'd admitted 20 incidents of child abuse, and said that very strict child protection measures had been introduced to the schools. But in February this year, Ampleforth was once more the subject of stories of abuse. A former monk, 
80-year-old Peter Turner, who was known as Father Gregory Carroll, was jailed for more than 20 years after he admitted sexually abusing three boys under the ages of 13 between 1984 and 1990. His crimes and those of Grant Ferris represented a history of the sexual abuse of pupils at the school. Then, two years ago, in 2018... There's the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse, which is absolutely damning and says that 10 individuals from Ampleforth College and Downside School in Somerset, including monks, had been convicted or accepted a caution for abuse. And that report said that appalling abuse was inflicted on pupils over 40 years and that the schools had tried to cover it up. This September, the Department of Education asked Ofsted to carry out an emergency inspection of Ampleforth College. And it's this so far unpublished report the school is challenging. It's the first time Ofsted has inspected the school. Previously, inspections, as for other private and non-state public schools, were undertaken by the Independent Schools Inspectorate. There is an Ofsted report, which has still not been published, which finds serious failings in meeting safeguarding and leadership standards. And this is in 2020, when you know some of these allegations go back decades. I went to the school in, in 2005 and I left in 2010. I gave evidence at the ICSA a couple of years ago. I was groomed by a teacher from the age of 13. And then from the age of, of 16, raped um, often more than one, once a day. Oh, <laughs> Very sorry. Throughout the remainder of my my time. um... That's the voice of A30 again. To remind you, A30 being the pseudonym she was given as part of the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse, to which she gave evidence in 2017 on the grooming and sexual assault she'd experienced a few years earlier. And music technology teacher, he also ran various orchestral... A30's abuser was her music teacher. She had arrived at the school in 2005 as a 13-year-old and the grooming began soon after. When I had been at the school for, I think, two weeks, he had already emailed several members of staff, including the head of department, including my housemistress at the time, so all the people who were directly responsible for me. Mm -hmm. He had already emailed these members of staff saying, oh, I think a 30 has a crush on me so in case she says anything these are the steps i'm taking i'm removing the curtains from my windows i um have made other students aware sean griffiths spoke with a30 over the phone after the news broke that ampleforth may soon have to stop taking new pupils so she told me that she had been groomed from the age of 13 to the age of 16 by her music teacher. And she said she only wanted to speak about him once by name. And she just mentioned him once. How much can you say about um, your abuser? Can you name him? Um, yes, his, his name is Dara de Kogan. And that is the last time I, I, I want to mention him. Um, because I... He's he's not he's not someone I make a habit of, uh, mm. of speaking about, um, as you can imagine. Mm. Um, and I think that is um, an indication of how difficult it is for her to think about this. One mention of him, and then no more. One mention of his name, and no more. 
in an hour-long interview. And when she said she'd been groomed, what did she mean by that? What was This was a process, was it? Yes, it was a process. So she had music lessons with him from very early on. She felt that he was paying a lot of attention to her. He actually told other staff that she had a crush on him. She told me that... He would snap my, my bra strap back in front of other teachers, for instance. He would do things like ping her bra strap. They, they saw that and did nothing. Mm-hmm. So when, when one is in, in a position where, where the abuse is even the, if you want to call it the, the not the most extreme part of the abuse, mm. um, but instances like that which are clearly uh, inappropriate and wrong and they're taking place in front of other members of staff mm. and they're saying nothing, then it it made me feel, well, clearly I, I, I'm, I'm the only person who, who feels that this is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think she felt that people knew that there were things that were inappropriate going on, but that nobody stopped it. And when you are you are a child... And you're you're isolated by your abuser and groomed and manipulated. You come to feel I well, one comes to feel I certainly came to feel that the abuse was my fault. Children, you know, they have no sense really of these adults, they're in sole charge of them, they're in a boarding school. And if you groom somebody over a long period of time, I think that child gets unbelievably confused about what is happening to them. This is one reason, I think, why sometimes victims of abuse don't come forward until quite a long time after the abuse has finished. To recap, A30 told Sean the grooming had begun when she started at the school as a 13-year-old in 2005. Then... When A30 turned 16 in 2007, her abuser began to sexually assault her. In a moment, we'll hear about how she came forward as a young adult to speak out about the sexual abuse she'd suffered. But before that, to read top quality journalism and get more stories and investigations every day, why not subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times? If you go online today and type in thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories about times, you'll get the first month of your digital subscription for free. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When did she decide to tell? When did she come forward? She came forward after she'd left the school. Well, I reported to the uh, police in early 2016 and then they went to the school a few days later and and they arrested him i believe they they arrested him on um, suspicion of of rape and she was a young adult and she went to the police in early 2016 they they went to the music department of school and and they took his computer and and various other things Mm -hmm. And it was only, I think, after leaving the school, getting a, a wider perspective on the whole thing, that she realised, I am a victim of sexual assault. When you're a, a child, you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and you're being groomed and your brain your, your brain is not fully developed as, mm. a, as a teenager, mm. and you read these things and, and you think, well, that doesn't apply to me. That's not sexual abuse. It's not my story. That must have taken some courage. Huge courage, I think. Huge courage. And she's an extremely articulate young woman who has had an awful lot of therapy since then. She went to the police and... They investigated the case and charges were brought against the music teacher and he was eventually jailed. In 2017, music teacher Dara de Kogan was sentenced to 28 months in prison. He pleaded guilty to 10 counts of sexual activity with a child whilst in a position of trust and was placed on the sex offenders register for 10 years. When he was sentenced at York Crown Court, the judge told him, you groomed her for a period and you were then able to use her at your will, critiquing her technique in sex as you no doubt critiqued her technique in music lessons. The fact the abuse happened in a place so closely entwined with the love of God is hard to reconcile. After her abuse of sentencing, did A30 say how she now felt towards Ampleforth College? She said that she had mixed feelings because she said some people there were genuinely sorry and heartbroken for what had happened. But she also referenced what she called a disgusting lack of safeguarding and pastoral care, in her view. Unfortunately, the formal response to my evidence given at the, at the inquiry came from the now former abbot, Father Cuthbert Madden. Mm-hmm. And I was so angry when I saw his, his interview because he failed to get the key points of what I'm saying. He did apologise, but I'm afraid the apology rings completely hollow when a person is so utterly blind that they will not follow up and understand what the person they're apologising to is saying, and, and the point that I made at the inquiry mm. is that it was extremely easy for the perpetrator to get around the child protection policies. A30 told Sean that her abuser knew how to play the system. He was, he was very manipulative when it came to child protection and when it came to policies and when it came to box ticking. He would make a big show of feeling out things like risk assessments and so on and so forth. He would boast about how he knew the child protection policy back to front. He could recite it word for word, the stuff that was in the handbook. He was very, very cocky about the fact that 
he could do this because I, I think he worked out it was very, very obvious to everyone. Well, it was very obvious to him. It was very obvious to me that if everything looked like it was completely perfect on paper, if there were no problems, mm-hmm. then nobody was going to raise any further questions because you had the paperwork to say, oh, hey, look, this is all right. He's mm-hmm. filled out a damn form. Mm-hmm. We asked the independent school's inspectorate who were responsible for the inspections during A30's time at the school why the opportunities for abuse were not picked up. They told us that they are supporting the work of the independent inquiry into child sexual abuse and that our involvement strengthens our continuous process of reflection and improvement. And I have to say, I don't know what that means either. I don't know if you've you've had time to look at the, the kind of the comments that are coming on, on Twitter from parents and friends and old Amplefordians of the school, but a lot of them are being accompanied with these very, very idyllic, beautiful pictures of the school and of the valley. And people are saying, I had a great time there. Why are you closing it down? Since the Department of Education served notice on Ampleforth, many former pupils and parents have been coming out in support of the school, not least on social media. One very prominent journalist who was actually there at the same time as me saying, Ampleforth has learned from its historic mistakes. And it was an oasis for for me for an otherwise turbulent childhood. And I'm thinking, yes, you had a great time while I was being raped there every day. And you're posting it with a beautiful picture of the school Mm. as if you having a great time and making friends. Somehow that and the beautiful setting makes up for the fact that the safeguarding was appalling. And considering the inspection still still is appalling. The location and the the beauty of it actually made it all the more easy for the individual who abused me to get away with what he did. It made him easier for him to tie me up, to take me into his car and to rape me in secluded parts of the woodland area in the valley. And the fact that Ampleforth is saying to people, put out stories that you've had a great experience there. But these people who are putting out these stories and Ampleforth are retweeting, it shows that they've not got the point. I want to be clear, I want to use the exact words. The individual who raped me Mm. every day for several years while I was a student at their care only left his post in 2016 that is four years ago Mm -hmm. when people talk about something being an entirely historic matter it's as if they still have this image of child abuse happening for a few cases in the 60s with a few disgusting monks where you know times were different and people didn't talk about this and Mm. so it's all very that's that's done now that doesn't happen anymore four years ago he was still teaching there Mm. so i understand obviously they're upset they don't want to be closed down i don't you know nobody wants i listen i said when i gave evidence that the school had amazing potential if it would take the step to ensure the children's safety. That is the most important thing at the end of the day, Mm. the safety Mm -hmm. of the children in their care. Nobody wants a good school with amazing opportunities to be for, for children to be closed down. Nobody wants to see people lose their jobs. Nobody wants that. That's the thing. People people do not. And when you have comments on Twitter saying it's from, you know, supporters of the school saying it's clearly a witch hunt or it's clearly it's history. First of all, for, for one thing, history matters. You can't confine people to history and say, well, that so that doesn't matter now. But, but second of all, if you're talking about something being historic, what does that mean four years ago? Mm. That's that's not long. 
During the making of this podcast, we asked Ampleforth to talk to us about what's happening now, what we've heard from A30, and also how the college has dealt more generally with sexual abuse in the past. The school got back to us and offered us an interview. My producer, Will, spoke to Ampleforth's current headmaster, Robin Dyer. My name's Robin Dyer. I'm the head at Ampleforth. I've been here since August 2019. I'm uh, 61 years old, and I was in retirement for two days before coming back into school leadership here. And the aim of that was to sort this place out. When you talk about sorting the place out, how's it been since you started in 2019? Very hard work. The school I came into in August 19 had just failed three ISI inspections on the trot. There were no trustees. The previous board had fallen on its sword. The first thing I did before even arriving at the school was to to write an action plan for the DFE and then implement that action plan. Basically, it's been about change leadership and bringing this place into a better place. Hard work. You're currently contesting... Um, an Ofsted report, and as I understand it, trying to stop it from being published. Why are you doing that? Well, we think the report doesn't give a fair reflection of where we are and what we're doing. And beyond that, we aren't in a position, I have to say, where a failed report, as it were, would do us any good at all in terms of our ability to trade as a school. There are obvious interests there. But actually, what we're really interested in is being the best that we can be. And the changes that we've put in place are good ones. Now, if the view of Ofsted or the DFE is that we can be better, well, we would accept that. So actually, in terms of school improvement, there are things in the Ofsted report which are good, in the sense that they are suggesting things that we can uh, put into an action plan and to continue the process of school improvement. But the way the the report is cast, the way it is structured and the way it's worded, we feel goes beyond the truth, actually. And that's what we're contesting. During the interview, Headmaster Robin Dyer also told us that the reason the school is fighting the Department of Education's ban on admitting new pupils is that it's based on incorrect information and therefore unjustified. Robin Dye added that the ban would hurt current pupils who'd obviously played no part in historical failings. And the outpouring of of reaction from parents, unsolicited, and from students, unsolicited, is because they know that we are now a better school, that we have learned from the absolutely dreadful circumstances of the past. When you talk about unsolicited, one of the things that A30 told us is she believes that the school has asked parents and former pupils to put positive messages on social media as part of a PR campaign effectively. I've also checked social media and this does appear to be happening, but you say it's unsolicited. So can you confirm that? It depends which came first. As soon as it was announced on that Friday afternoon, that what the Secretary of State said, and as soon as some parts of the media were saying, you know, sex abuse at at Ampleforth in their headlines, and you can see that. Parents knew that was wrong, and students knew that was wrong. And I knew it was wrong, because in the Ofsted report, there's absolutely no no evidence, anything at all, no allegations even, of anything involving harm to children in this school right now. So there was an outpouring immediately from concerned parents, 
what we were hearing from some quarters was, well, let's get stuck in, let's perhaps organise something in terms of, if you like, an amateur PR campaign. And the last thing we wanted was anything that would antagonise the DfE or Ofsted or any of the regulatory authorities. So when they said, we must do something, we must do something, this is the parents, we said, look, okay, if you wanted to put something on social media, just make it positive. Now, I don't think that was a bad thing to do. It's been well documented that Ampleforth has had issues with child sexual abuse and safeguarding dating back to the 60s. What have you done to stop sexual abuse and safeguard children at the school? Yeah, this is quite a big question, isn't it? Um, It's exactly because of the past failings that we've undergone a fundamental transformation over the last two years. Failures of the past have been the strongest possible spur for us to to make those changes. We recognise that we can't possibly put right the wrongs of the past. But what we are determined to become, as I think I've hopefully made clear to you, to be the best we can be in safeguarding policy and practice. That's why I'm here. It's why we have a new set of trustees, a new leadership team. What I'm saying to you is, it, it, what we are now doing, and I've, I've highlighted a number of things, is based entirely on the nightmare that A30, for which I unreservedly apologise, you know, it's a disgrace what happened to her, should never have happened, based entirely on the idea that these things will not happen at this school. I'd like to talk a bit more about the A30 case now, and I appreciate that obviously you only started as headmaster there in 2019, but what safeguarding did you have in place between 2005 and 10 when A30 was a pupil at the school? Uh, I can't answer that question. I wasn't here. Uh, All I can say is that it clearly wasn't good enough. A lot of people talk about what's happened at Amplethorpe as you know, historical sexual abuse, you know, it's, it's all in the past. The school's got better s- since then. One thing that A30 is quite passionate about when you listen to her is that actually 2005 to 2010, it's not really historical sexual abuse, is it? Well, I don't use that phrase because I know the circumstances of the abuse stay with the survivors, if you want to call them that. Hopefully that is the, the, the term to be used probably in some cases for the rest of their lives. That isn't historical, that's, that's contemporary. The net effect of this evil is permanent for some of these poor people, and A30 may be one of them. I hope not, but it may be the case that the trauma that was inflicted on her is still part of you know, the, the, the daily experience, and that's just awful. You have to learn from the past and be better as a result of that learning. The horrendous circumstances that a lot of students have had in a lot of different schools is something that we all in education must learn from and commit to being better. And and do you, as the current head of the school, have anything you'd like to say to A30 now? Oh, crikey. Uh, Look, I could get quite emotional here. I'm the father of three daughters and I have a son as well. The idea that any one of them could have had what's been inflicted on A30 done to them just fills me with horror. The idea that any student in any school could be uh, subjected to such brutal and horrible behaviour, I just can't. I can't live with that. It's just horrendous. And so what I would say to her is, 
we just need to learn from um, the horror of it all. Uh, be better, constantly. I hope that she is getting the support and the love and attention that she deserves. And I am so sorry that this was inflicted on her at this school. Now, when you reflect on the story, what do you think it tells us about the period that we've been through and about uh, abuse and whether it's finished and whether it's historic? This abuse has been going on for so long at Ampleforth, you know, on and off over the years from the 1960s. There has been a culture over the years that has not completely been dealt with. That's the voice of Sean Griffiths again, the Sunday Times education editor. And I think also... When children go away to board from a young age, British boarding, it's a peculiarly British institution. And I find it horrific and extraordinary that young children can be put in the charge of other adults and then can be abused. And somehow nobody finds out about that for years and years and years. Well, it does suggest, doesn't it, that it creates a situation which is particularly open to abuse in a way that maybe others aren't. Um, do you think Ampleforth is a harbinger of things to come or do you think it's a one-off? I mean, do you think other places are going to find themselves in the same situation? It's not a one-off. This is far from the only private school where there have been allegations of abuse and convictions for abuse. And another thought, really, which comes out of what you were saying just a moment ago, why do parents put up with this? Why have they put up with this? I can't answer that. I think sometimes parents don't know. The children don't tell them. I've written about other kinds of abuse, such as initiation rituals at boarding schools where younger pupils, things like, you know, they're beaten on their bare bottoms with cricket bats by older pupils as an initiation ritual. And it's almost as those those initiation rituals have been handed down. A child may go to a boarding school where... His parent went, and if it happened to the parent and the parent thinks it didn't do me any harm to be walloped with a cricket bat on my bare bottom, they may think it's not going to do my child any harm. It's not a, a mentality I can get inside. And for A30, how is her life now? I, I don't want to go um, mm. into too much detail into my personal life, but I, I'm in a very happy relationship now. And, Delighted. Um, I achieved my, my master's degree with distinction. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, Are you still having therapy? Uh, yes, I, I am still having therapy. Uh, having therapy, um, by the way, is something that I would encourage most people to have um, mm. on, on one level or another because it's just it's very good um, mental self-care. And that's important. I, I, think, I think it took a very long time for me to, um, to recognise my my worth because that's what abuse does it makes you feel as if you are worth nothing Mm -hmm. and as if somebody the the person doing this to you makes you feel that that you deserve it I don't want to speak for everyone but um how I felt was that was that I deserve it and it took a long time for me to realize my self-worth 
conflicts in some survivors as if they're these two distinct categories. They're not. Anyone who has been abused is a victim of that crime in, the, in the, both the legal sense and in terms of the scars that it leaves. But then if you choose to survive, it doesn't mean that your life has to be just getting by day by day. People can thrive and have the most extraordinary lives. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, David Aronovich, and my guests, A30, a sexual assault survivor, Robin Dyer, the headmaster at Ampleforth College, and Sean Griffiths, the Sunday Times education editor. And you can read more of Sean's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print on Sundays. The producer today was Will Rowe, the executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Carla Patella. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in today's episode, there are links in the podcast description on charities that offer support to victims and survivors of sexual abuse. If you have a story you think we should be covering, an idea for a future episode, or thoughts on what you've just heard, you can send us an email by writing to storiesofourtimes@thetimes.co.uk. See you again soon. Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.